1: Welcome on in. We're closing out your week here on the Locked On Syracuse Podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Check us out every single weekday. We're with you here on the show. Also, find us on Twitter at L-O- underscore Syracuse. It's a mailbag day, Tim. Get your questions in. People responded. So a lot of football stuff today. So we'll Mm -hmm. be getting into a ton of football stuff. Also, there's one hoops question in there that you and I will address from the fans and Hey, we're doing mailbags all summer long, too, so you can get those questions in, tweet them at us throughout the summer, too, at LO underscore Syracuse. You tweet one to us and it's not a mailbag week? Well, guess what? We'll still answer your question on the show. We love to hear from all you guys out there. Um, So we'll start with a couple of these ones. We'll start with the football ones because I think there's a lot of things that fans are interested about. And also, I I do think, and I noticed this, I saw all the football questions start to pour in. Cause we said, listen, you want to talk basketball, you want to talk football, you want to talk lax. But this is one of those fan bases, too, where when you are a basketball school, every fan has their opinion of the basketball team. And sometimes they don't go to to the talking heads like you and I to get their basketball opinions. They form their own basketball opinions, but with the football team and so much uncertainty, that's where they turn to us, Tim. The the two the two idiots behind the mics here <laughs> yeah, I don't know to know get if their football thing. thoughts. <laughs> so here we go. We're going to give it a little bit of a stab here. But we'll start with Kyle. And I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. But we appreciate you, Kyle, at KyleN on Twitter. What is your honest opinion of how many wins Babers needs in 2021 to keep his job? Although I'd love to see Cusco bowling next year, I think four is good enough to keep him. If they fire him, the consequences will be felt for a decade plus. And I see that final disclaimer, and he's right. The consequences will be felt for a decade plus because you build all this up and then you just sort of scrap Scrap it all down, and you got to restart from square one again. And that's kind of what the position they were in when they hired Dino Babers. They did have to tear the whole thing down and rebuild, and even to a degree, maybe a lesser degree. But once you do the reset, when when you have a guy like Doug Marone go to the pros, the thing gets torn down to a degree, and we've seen it go in a downward spiral ever since then. But what, how many wins? What is your number of how many wins Dino Babers needs in 2021 to still be the head coach of the Orange beyond that?
0: So I think four is a pretty good benchmark here that Kyle set. I do feel like three, you get into a borderline territory if they win three games, right? It depends on how the season goes, whether it's injuries, what, like, there's a lot of variables that will play into a difference between a good three-win season and an outrageously bad three-win season. Like If they're just non-competitive in the ACC, then that's a different three-win season. If there are three wins or less, I think the fans will be raising the pitchforks and will be ready to kick them out. I do feel like the difference in John Wildhack's viewpoint on this, and I don't know, but me guessing and understanding his buyout was reported last year at $17 million, and there was a report that there was four years left on his contract last year. So after this year, that would mean three more years left on a contract with a hefty buyout coming off a pandemic where schools are not really flush for cash right now. I just think the reality is Dino Babers is probably not going to be fired after this year. I would take a lot of bad football and a lot of blown games and, maybe a one or two win season in reality for it to happen. Although I think fans will be pretty darn fed up if they win three games this year.
1: I think you're right to a degree, the magnitude. Like if it's a three and nine, but one of those wins is Clemson, does that change your opinion at all? Because at the end of the day, three (laughs) wins is still three wins because, okay, you beat Clemson, but that means you also lost to one of Rutgers and Ohio, and, and who who's the other crap team that they have on their schedule? Well, they uh, got the uh, Holy Cross. Yeah. Holy Cross, yeah. They should so, beat them, yeah. That means you've lost to one of those teams, right? And then Liberty, so, but they're not a crap team. Liberty, so but yeah. Liberty's not a bad team this year, so it, it's, I think you have to get the pulse of, you can't just look and, and pin it down as there is a certain number, and it feels like that's sort of a cop-out answer, but I do think it is the truth, because you saw progress in years one, two, and ultimately it felt like the final piece of the puzzle was year three, and hopefully that was going to be the pillar of sustained success with this program. But year one, you beat Virginia Tech. You got a ranked win for the first time in quite a few years. Then the next year, you follow it up with the biggest, one of the biggest wins in program history, an upset over number two Clemson. And then you cap it off in this three-year run with a 10 and 3 season and a win in the Camping World Bowl. So to me, if there felt like there was progress there. But you look at the last two seasons, 5 and 7 and then the the dismal 1 and 10, it feels like all that progress has sort of been wiped away. Yeah, and there's not a light at the end of the tunnel right now. Really. In my opinion, right. maybe
0: some would disagree there, but they have to establish some sort of progress, use that word, I think it's a good word, or a light at the end of the tunnel after the season to make fans happy. Now, when I read stuff on Pro Football Focus, they do their college football preview magazine, and we tweeted out this quote, but they said something like, Dino Babers better jump in the Finger Lakes to cool off his hot seat. I don't think it's that dire. I think when you look at how many games he's won, and you look at his record of 24 and 36, and winning about 40% of his games through his first 60 games at Syracuse. Not great. I mean, that's Scott Schaefer won right under 40% after three years and he was gone. And you can go down the list. That's pretty much going to get you fired at most power five schools when you're at that winning percentage. It's different for Dino, though, because he had the 10 win season and that followed with the hefty contract extension with a big buyout. And then there's this pandemic. So. There's a reason why he's still coaching here. I think that buyout number and I think that contract is a big part of it. And the way John Wildtack came out last year and quelled all that and said he's definitely coming back next year and we want him to be the guy for the future. Of course, he's going to say that. But I think genuinely speaking, he really is not thinking about firing Dino Babers after this year unless it gets really, really ugly. And I I don't know if that's the right move because the buyout money is a lot. So I understand where he's coming from, if that is how he's thinking. But at the same time, fans are going to be very upset if they win less than four games this year. And there is going to be a lot of talk about
1: firing Dino Babers. Let's face it. I mean, this team, it's tough right now because you don't want to force it and just try to make Dino Babers the head coach. But... I mean, as Kyle kind of laid out in his question, consequences will be felt for a long time if he is indeed fired. And you have to tear the whole thing down because any progress that you made in, in terms of, quote unquote, DBU, where does that go? Is that still a part of the, the fabric of this university Tony as what White. they are yeah. as a football I mean, program? Will Tony White be positives. there? Yeah. Nick Monroe. I mean, we've talked about what happens if Nick Monroe leaves. I mean, the whole program might come crashing to a halt if Nick Monroe's out. So it, to me, you don't want to force the issue, but you do have to understand the long-term ramifications. Perfect world, Dino Babers is good enough this year as a head coach to to lead this team in 2021 and beyond. But again, perfect worlds aren't for everyone. There's a reason why a lot has to go right. And to me, a lot of it boils down to the quarterback position because it, it was one thing with Eric Dungy where, okay, Eric Dungy, got injured, but you saw the talent there on those four and eight teams, right? And it was like, okay, he's gonna get to a senior season and everything's gonna come together and everything did come together. Whereas this year, if, there, if Tommy DeVito has a great season, A, I think you're gonna, well, A, if Tommy DeVito has a great season, this team is not winning four games. This team's winning probably seven or eight games, at least, right? Um... Maybe. That's a also, tough number to get
0: to. It's, a t- it's not I'm, an easy
1: schedule. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying if Tommy DeVito has a great season this year, they are going to win seven or eight games. I, I don't care who's on the schedule. At the end of the day, if you're getting supreme quarterback play with this offense and with the caliber of defense that they do have, I, I just There's don't see them There's questions, though, about the secondary for me to jump There's to, questions everywhere, but... yeah. Well, what have we seen across college football? A quarterback solves a lot of those no doubt. problems. Yeah, it patches up a ton of the wounds that you have throughout your system. If Devito is great this year, if he puts together an Eric Dungey level season, this team is going to win no fewer than seven or, eight, seven or eight games. So, to that, you just hope it's not fool's gold. And who knows, maybe Tommy DeVito does leave after that and go try to test out the pro waters. You never know in this day and age, but sometimes the quarterback is that light at the end of the tunnel and you're just hoping that you don't want to be duped into good quarterback play, maybe being confused for good coaching.
0: Yeah, I I just think the reality of what his hot seat is compared to what the fans probably think it is might be a little bit of a disconnect right now just because of the the uh, the amount of the buyout, how many years is reported to be left, and the pandemic, and, and the fact that Syracuse just probably doesn't want to deal with the football coaching change. I mean, Dino Babers is the highest paid employee at Syracuse University. He makes more than Jim Bayheim, Kent Siverud, anyone. Making that change is a huge change to make when you're in the middle of recovering from a shortfall of cash probably just a couple years ago, and on top of that, you have to pay a buyout as well. And... I don't really know who, who's the next coach, and, and are they really going to turn this ship around right away? Like, to Kyle's original point, consequences will be felt, and that makes it tough for John Wildhack to kind of be the guy for two or three more years of probably bad football after that as well. I mean, their best shot of getting this thing turned around is probably with Dino. I just don't know if he's able to do it. I want to remind you about betonline.ag. That's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing right now, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit that's by using our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word L O C K E D O N, the name of this podcast network. It is Locked On, the promo code, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast.
1: Turning it around was a project that had to happen with Dino. He had to be the turnaround because now that you've got like let's say Dino doesn't work out and this season is is a disaster and they go three and nine or two and 10 and he's out the door. You've got back to back dud coaches with Schaefer and Babers. What, where's the attraction level of the job? Because I think you're starting to see, like this will just further expose it of how difficult this job is. And you see everyone talk about how difficult this job is. How attractive would it be? Would you be able to even lure someone like Sean Lewis back to to take that next step with the program and be the head coach? Would you be able to do that? Or does he realize, hey, this job is freaking hard and I would much rather stick it out here at a, at a Mac school and test my luck out and hope that a different job opens up somewhere along the line. And would you be able
0: to keep Tony white? I don't know how tied he is to Dino Babers. I don't know what his thought process is on how much he has loved Syracuse so far and whatnot. So yeah, I think this is a huge year for Syracuse football, right? Like it is It's kind of a make or break year for Dino, but it's a make or break year for the future of the program, because if Dino and the Orange don't turn around this year, then you're probably looking at at least two or three years before that next head coach can make any progress. Like We're back to square one completely almost, and that's really tough to swallow when you're in the middle of a tough ACC conference, and it's just a lot of losing football games if Dino can't get it done this year in the
1: future, in my opinion. All right, so we haven't really fully comprehensively answered Kyle's questions, but what what is your number here? What is the number of wins that Babers needs to keep his job?
0: Yeah, I think it's what I, it's four is a good benchmark from him. Three is where you get, okay, everyone's going to be talking about it. But honestly, it's probably two, and that is when John Wildtack has to make a decision in his mind. I don't think he's too worried about it if they are a 4-8 and eight team or if they're, three and seven with some injuries and a couple things didn't go their way. And maybe they just lost a couple close games late or something like that. I, I think two was where John Wildhack is thinking, okay, maybe I have to make a decision now.
1: Yeah, I would say he needs four wins. Three and nine looks really bad, really bad in my eyes. That, that's just the way that I see it though. All right, next one we've got is from at NYSS Sports Fan. He says, does Dino finish his contract? Does Tony White and a defense that's honestly quite inspiring make this a make-or-break year for Dino? And to that, I would say, does Dino Babers finish his contract? I would say no. I, yeah. I really don't. If, if it truly is the reported what would be, what, three or four years left on his deal. I, I don't even think th- w- whether it's known if it's three or four matters. I think this is a decision that you're going to know whether or not he finishes his contract in the next two years. And quite frankly, I don't know. I don't. I would guess no if it, in all likelihood will he finish his contract just because this year very well could be a dud. If you are going four and eight, okay, that's not inspiring because if you go four and eight – then you have to follow that up with six or seven wins. Yeah. And I don't know if, if you've got the recruits in line to necessarily do that. We know that the defensive backfield's there, but what happens if you were to lose a Chip West, if you were to lose a Tony White, a Nick Monroe? What happens then? Because then you lose a lot of steam in recruiting, and it, at the end of the day, you're still putting out classes that are ranked outside the top 50.
0: Right. I think the better question... Really, going back to Kyle's question of how many wins is how many wins does he need in the next two years? Because Mm -hmm. then I think the timetable lines up more for John Wildhack to be able to make that hard decision. And if that is the case, I think you're looking at at least eight wins to feel good about bringing him back for another year, which would still mean he'd have eight wins in the two years combined, at
1: least. I mean, you got to be to make it to to that that third year. Yeah, I'm saying I, like I, I don't, I don't see a, a a scenario where he can go four and eight, four and eight, and then be back.
0: No, I don't think it would happen. I think if he goes four and eight, four and eight, he's probably fired.
1: But right. I'm saying and honestly, I I think that number is more like ten or eleven. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you it, could go it's four eight, but if you follow answer. that with a six and six and, and go to a bowl game, I think you're you're in the clear there.
0: Yeah, I just think it's tough because like last year. We never would have thought they would have won one game, and but they won one game. But they also had so many injuries. They played only against conference teams. It's a weird. There's a difference to me between going four and eight, where Garrett Schrader comes in in the second half of the year, looks good, and wins two games of the last and goes three. Goes three and
1: one or something. Yeah. yeah,
0: and going four and eight and just completely self destructing after you beat Rutgers and you beat. A Holy cross early in the year or something. And, and you pad your schedule with a couple wins in the non-con and then look terrible against ACC foes. So yeah, I mean, I think he needs, there's a very real possibility that two more years, Dino Babers is fired. I think to answer the original question, I don't think he finishes his contract. There's four years yeah. left. I don't see a way that they get any more than six wins this year, six or seven. And that only buys you what? I mean, a couple more I mean, that's that's not a great season. Like, we're expecting them to make bowl games. That's what you want out of your head coach. That's what you were paid conference. to do. Yeah. Right? So it's a bummer if, if he's looking at seven years into this thing, he's made one bowl game, I think you gotta fire him at that point. Well, I don't think you get to seven
1: years. I I I just well, i this have a is hard year time year that. So if he goes, yeah, And if you get to year and seven, seven and if you-
0: And then, you know, they go to year seven because you're not going to fire him, I don't think, if they go five and seven or four and eight this year. And that's one out of six. Then one more year of missing the ball after that, I think he's gone.
1: Right. And I just don't know what coach would necessarily be better. At least Dino is starting or at least has some relationships and he, he has gone down to Florida and gone to California, and now it looks like he's tapping into Texas a little bit and going down south in the Carolinas and all that, the DMV area, that is a bigger part of what Syracuse has done in recruiting now. And listen, it shouldn't be a six or seven year process. You should be able to turn around a program in three or four years and you either can or you're fired in most cases at a power five institution, but he's kind of gone through an unorthodox five, six years at a power yeah. five institution. He's managed a pandemic. He's gone through a, a really good team. I mean, that, that 10 and three team was fantastic. He one got a contract extension. Yeah. <laughs> like right. a big one. And, yeah. and, and honestly may have set up John Wildhack to put him in this hole that he's in right now of yeah. the buyout and all that. So um, I, I, but I to get back to the original question. No, I do not think Dino Babers finishes out his contract. I, I, I just don't see this team getting the ten or eleven wins necessary over these next couple of years. And listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll eat my words. I'll own it. But I just I cannot see this team winning ten or eleven games over the next two seasons combined. That would be necessary in my eyes to yeah. to get him in a contract. I hope extension. we're wrong. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think. It's, it's a weird one, right, because also the 10-3 and three season was so great. It was so much fun, but it may have put Syracuse in more of a hole right now because now they're having to keep Dino for maybe a little bit longer than
1: you would want, in a way, because of the finances. Which sucks. Yeah. It reminds me of a guy, like I, I'm seeing it, you see it play out in baseball all the time, the guy in his contract year, or, or I mean, any sport, really, guy in his contract year if Dino Babers went four and eight that next season that's in that ten and three season if he went four and eight three and nine maybe even five and seven and missed a bowl he's probably not back No, he would have already been fired yeah right and it's okay this guy has a career year and a contract year potentially in a hypothetical contract year in the case of Dino Babers and his buyout would not have been expensive and he has this all-time year, one of the best years in program history. And now, all of a sudden, you have to lock him up because you need... He's shown you something, right? Yeah. And it looks you like things are it. trending up. You had yeah. to do it. And it's just... It's tough because now now you're kind of handcuffed moving right. forward as a result of it. Because if you didn't lock him up, we thought he was going to go to USC or Texas or something. Right. I mean, it's
0: laughable now, but... You had to do it if you were John Wildhack. It's to no one's fault. It's just such a bummer that now here we are, and a lot of people are going to want him fire it probably after this year, but I don't know if Wildhack's ready to make that call. All right, guys, are you looking for a new car part or a way to repair your car right now? Well, I've got the perfect solution for you. It is rockauto.com, different from the chain storefronts that are often kind of tireless and meaningless exercises going to those chain storefronts and then getting turned away at the door because... They don't have the specific part you're looking for. Instead, skip that step. Go to rockauto.com today. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com today, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. I personally have used rockauto.com several times now. I can speak from experience, been happy each and every time. And when you go to rockauto.com today, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Again, put locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com.
1: Quick break to tell you about the best protein bar on the market. You know it. It is Built Bar, and guess what? Right now, they've got a limited-time flavor. That's right. you got to get in on it this week only. It is the Built Grasshopper Cookie flavor, and this one is just like your classic thin mint cookie, but packed into a built Bar, 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only five grams of sugar. There are so many great flavors of built Bar out there, but this one in particular, you gotta get it on now because it's only available from July 6th through 9th. So get in. Maybe pack it into a mix box as well. There are a number of fantastic Built Bar flavors. My favorite, of course, is the peanut butter brownie. You've heard me talk about that Built Bar on the show all the time. Use Built Bar to train like the pros because Built Bar is now the official protein bar of the US track and field team. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's Locked On for 15% off at Built.com. A couple more here. We've got one football, one basketball for you. Dan 44 chimes in. He says, my guess is four and eight, six and six, eight and four for the next three years. He's talking football, obviously. You think it will be close to these numbers. Now, Dan has, over the next two years, that Syracuse does reach that 10-win threshold, which is probably close enough to keep Dino Babers around. Obviously, we'll see how financial situations change from year to year, but... Two win increments each season going up. Do I think it'll be close to those numbers? Ah. Yeah. I just don't see you going from four to eight in a span of three seasons, right? Because...
0: Yeah. It's tough. I mean, so this got me thinking about the future and... Who are the prospects? Like, I, I try to do an exercise almost thinking about Syracuse as a baseball team and thinking about, you know, the way that an MLB right. farm system ranks their prospects. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I ranked, I. this could be off. I mean, I'm sure people will have disagreements, and maybe I'm forgetting a player or two here, but I ranked just off the top of my head some of the best prospects or basically the best non-starters right now that Syracuse has, some of the younger guys. Right. I mm-hmm. think Damian Alford, who is probably going to start this year and break out this year, is right up there. I think you could consider Garrett Schrader, one of the top like quote-unquote prospects within the Syracuse football organization, I guess, in a weird Mm -hmm. way. Deuce Chestnut is up there because he's going to be one of your core guys for the future, in my opinion. Jihad Carter already sort of started last year, but that was because of injuries. I'm just really high on him, so I included him. Neil Nunn, Enrique Cruz, and then I think they are pretty good quarterback-wise, which is great. Like, Justin Lampson is in the conversation of being a top-five prospect right. in our organization. Uh, even Jacobian and Morgan Dylan Markowitz are probably rated pretty highly in our organizational prospect rankings. There's you have quarterback some good, depth for sure. Yeah, you have some good wide receivers, but... We don't really know necessarily what we're getting out of Garrett Schrader yet. And I think that's a question mark because he does have three years left. So there's a world in which Tommy DeVito plays this year. He calls it quits after this year because that would have been a normal, actually even one more year than normal because he redshirted for a year and then played four years, I think, if I had my math right. So there's a world that this is Tommy's last year. Garrett slides in for two more years and he's leading the show. And I I just don't know if there's enough talent like in the quote unquote farm system there to get me excited enough to to jump to the eight and four mark in three years. And I think well, it here, could happen,
1: but it's tough. Here here's the best case scenario for you. Okay, it's that Garrett Schrader is around for that in Q Stan's hypothetical world. Garrett Schrader is around for that eight and four season, or or Justin Lamson has emerged. Highly enough to to be that guy. In fact, I would probably have to think that Lamson would have to start in that six and six year, um, because that would be technically his junior season, um, but or, or that would be his sophomore season, rather. Yeah, um, but Enrique Cruz is the interesting one because if he has the Cody Conway sort of career trajectory. Then you're looking at something that was really essential to that 10-3 and 3 season where you got good offensive line play, you got some grad transfers to come in and, and fill in nicely, like a Coda Martin, you had a solid backfield with Dante Strickland and Mo Neal, you had burners on the outside. It's just gonna be what does what does the recruiting class that's gonna be a, a sophomore for that eight and four season look like? Are they gonna be sophomores that can play right away? Or dare I say, are you gonna have a freshman that can play or is there a senior that can play yeah. at a high level because Transfers, remember yeah tight end position was utilized very nicely that year with uh Ravion Pierce and, and I mean Taj Harris burst onto the scene as a freshman so you need guys that can contribute in that capacity and is is the Syracuse have enough cachet and how do they manage name image likeness I think is another thing uh, that's a lot of what is going to determine these next couple of years and whether you can get to six and six and eight and four over the next three years. I don't know if it'll be close, but Hey, if it's not six and six in year two, guess what? It sure as hell isn't going to be eight and four in year three. <laughs> it's going to be closer yeah. to four and eight. Right.
0: You need a bowl game in the next two years to keep your job. I think is, is another way of phrasing it. I also, I probably should include, I didn't count Sean Tucker as like a prospect because he's already burst out right. of the scene. But he's with the team for a while. There's Steph Thompson, who's already a contributor and, and a young guy on this team. I I would include Garrett Williams, but I think you and I both think after seeing his mock draft in the first round recently, this could be his last year. So you can't really count on him for much longer than a year after this. But defensive back room looks good. There's other guys like Umari Hatcher, Josh Huff that I'm excited about. There are some pieces there, and Cruz is a big one. Cruz is almost like if you were to draft a high school pitcher, like there's more risk right. to his position because he's offensive line. And if we had done this exercise three or four years ago, Kadir white would have been a top five guy. I was and just going to
1: say, yep. he didn't play it mm-hmm. down.
0: So that that's going to happen with some of these guys. And especially offensive line is a guessing game.
1: All right. Last one I want to get to, and then we'll get on out of here. Which recruiting class would you rather have? This one comes courtesy of our guy, Lucas Satchel loyal listener to the podcast. Which class would you rather have? 2007, all right? Let me lay it out for you. Johnny Flynn, Dante Green, Scoop, Jackson, and Kristoff, or 2010 with Fab Mello, CJ Fair, Dion Waiters, and By So This is a fun question. Good one from Lucas. It got me thinking. I think these are two of the
0: better Syracuse recruiting classes. Mm -hmm. I lean, like he said, he said my instinct would be 2007, but it's closer the more I think about it. I'm pretty much lockstep with him. I think 2007 came to mind first. And I think I still give the slight edge to 2007 just because you're getting four years, really five years from Scoop Jardine, but he played four of them. He was out one year with an injury. And you're getting four years from Rick Jackson, who I think was one of the more underrated guys. I mean, he was Big East player, defensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. Honorable mention, All-American. Really solid statistically all four years. You get Johnny Flynn and Dante Green as kind of the McDonald's All-American guys. Dante Green just for one year, but Johnny Flynn for two years. So I have to give the slight edge to that class, although the other class is really good as well, and you can
1: make an argument for it. I think when you look at it, you get the NBA flair with 2010 when you think of Fab Mello and and Dion Waiters. And, and, I mean, C.J. Fair had a a really nice career with, with Syracuse, obviously. Um, but you're right. I, I do think 2007. I mean, Johnny Flynn's one of the most electrifying players that's played for Syracuse, and, yeah. and Dante Green. He was one and done, but he was fantastic and ends up being a first round pick. Scoop is a, one of the essential glue guys that this program's had. And then you mentioned the the defensive prowess of Rick Jack. Like to me, I think and it's Christoph, 2007. Yeah. I I think when you look when you look back on it and really think about it. If you, if you don't see how any of their professional careers play out, I think that it's a no doubt or 2007. Yeah, because Waiters
0: is getting a bump probably. I mean, Waiters was so good for us, but he didn't play a ton, which is a whole right. other topic. So, and then I think Bai Musakita also has some fan-favorite bump, if anything. Like, I right. love Bai Musakita. Very Marek-like. Yeah, so... But then, and I I don't think stats are the whole story, especially with a player like Bai, where he was way more than just the stats. But when you really dive into the numbers, Bai Musakita wasn't giving you more than four points a game, which I'm not saying is everything. I totally understand that he was more than just a points per game guy, and his numbers aren't the full story. But also, the numbers are kind of hard to ignore with the 2007
1: class, more so than the 2010 class, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on today's episode. Next week, we're going to be back. A couple of rankings for everyone because Jim Beheim out on an athletic list and he is rated as the 15th best coach in America. We'll discuss that ranking. Also, Andy Katz has his power 36 out, his way too early power Thirty Six. We'll tell you where he's got Syracuse at next week on the show and discuss all of those numbers and more and anything else that trickles out over the weekend. So everyone, have a fun, safe, happy weekend. I don't know if you've got any plans, Tim, but it should be beautiful, I think, for the most part, across the yeah. country. Maybe some rain trickling down throughout. But it, it should be a, a good weekend. Hopefully there's some Syracuse news that and good news at that. Who knows? Maybe a football recruit here or there. Um, But we will discuss it all with you guys next week on the show. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys on Monday.